Hello and welcome to EG's Voice of the Region. I'm Jim Larkin and this week we're launching Voice of the Region Capital Edition in which we speak to a radius agent who operates in a particular area of London to find out exactly what the challenges and opportunities are like in their patch. Our inaugural guest is Sean Wolfe, our director at Frost Meadowcroft, which finds itself comfortably in the top half of the radius under my rankings for all of Greater London, uh, despite being an office specialist operating solely in West London. So, Sean, hello. Hello. Jim, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. Not at all. Okay, um, now um, I've seen your niche uh, described as west of the West End. Um, so can you just define that area in terms of how far to the west you go and the areas you cover in between? Yeah, of course. So we are based in Hammersmith. Um, and I would say that we have a clear focus on, I mean, you could arguably call it a three mile radius of where we are. but. If you if you draw a line sort of from Chiswick, Brentford in the west, um, into Knightsbridge, Kensington uh, in the east, and we're dealing with Fulham, Shepherd's Bush. So we we like to think you know we're a niche agent, independent, large independent agency dealing with you know that that sector of West London uh, with a clear focus on office. Sure. Okay. Um. So I mean that whole part of West London does it have a USP? Would you say? I would say this is a USP. I mean, for us, it's our. I mean, our USP is, as I said, we are an independent agency dealing with that sector specifically. Um, I mean, we we can go on to talk about who occupies in this part of London, but um, I wouldn't say there's one general USP. I mean, communications are good. It's a very nice location to work in. There's lots of things going on, but I wouldn't say there's one individual USP. Sure. Okay. Um, how do rentals compare? <laughs> um, you know, with with you know, that between that part of London and the West End, where, you know, prime rents are well over £100 a square foot? Yeah, interesting question. And, and it's an interesting time to be asking that question. Um, so Hammersmith top end grade A rents are currently hovering around the £60 a foot mark. Uh, City is probably 65 to 70. As you said, West End is about 100. Um, you know, Fulham and the surrounding markets, 50, 55 quid, Chiswick, 50, 55 quid. So that's that's the sort of Ballpark. Sure. Okay. Um, is there uh, a particular type of occupier that naturally gravitates to that area? I mean, you know, certain parts of London attract certain occupiers. So, you know, the financial companies will obviously go to the city and tech companies around Old Street. Um, is is there a typical op- occupier for West London? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say so really. I mean, historically, you had obviously the BBC. There were offshoot media companies, Universal, a lot of music publishing companies are building at St Peter's Square was actually owned by Island Records we acquired the building for clients from uh, uh, Universal Music so I mean yeah there's traditionally been a media um, focused but really people occupying in West London I think it's it's based upon where the directors live largely (laughs) and there's a lot of you know Barnes, Chiswick, Kensington, Chelsea, Hammersmith there's a lot of you know a lot of company directors live locally and want their offices to be quite close to where they live and that's you know that's small medium sized companies and larger companies to an extent as well and obviously in Chiswick you've got access to Heathrow um, which is quite important for some of the large uh, the larger companies Chiswick Park especially lots of um, multinationals in there and, and accessibility to Heathrow is key for them. 
Um, now, according to the latest radius figures, um, you've transacted uh, more than 235,000 square feet of office space um, across 63 deals this year. Um, mm. How does that compare to a more normal year, if we can even <laughs> remember what normal was like? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, actually, it's come back quite, we can go into it, but it's come back quite well. So I couldn't tell you, you know, a number of deals, but, you know, 2017, for example, we did, uh, I think it was 425,000 feet. Um, 2019 was about the same so you can you can see that it's it's you know it's getting there and this is I think January to January we've probably on that 235 we've probably got another 50,000 we want to transact before the end of the calendar year or end of January but look at you know that's 2021 2020 was I think was less than 200,000 feet so broadly speaking it's about half in the bad bad year it was pretty much half Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, if we kind of rewind to the start of this year, um, when everyone was in full lockdown and it was dark all the time and serotonin was in short supply, um, people were kind of still kind of seriously talking about the death of the office. I mean, how worried were you at the time that they might be right? Uh, again, it's you know we've our business we we started this business probably 2000. Well, it was 2001. So just as the twin towers collapsed, mm. and we traded through. Uh, you know the credit crunch of 2008-9 which was pretty horrendous then we traded through Brexit and we all thought great and then this is this is um, the first time I think businesses like ours and I feel so sorry for the hospitality industry by the way I mean we've we've managed to trade through but um, you know there's there's people in far worse positions than us but this is the first time that businesses have essentially been told you can't do any business which was quite a frightening thing when you're sitting at home in in March um, but I don't think I mean in all of those events I mean I'll say journalists if you like you know people are very quick to jump on and 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 predict and assume the worst case scenario I never thought that it would it would be the death of the office and we can talk about and everyone has talked about the reasons why uh, people need an office you know social socializing for the younger people especially you know brand creation and development coaching um competition you know all that is relevant um so yeah i I, I didn't think it was the end of the office i was you know april march and april i was i was a bit concerned but i never thought it'd be the death of the office i have to say Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the people that were making those predictions, they were people quite often with a financial interest in remote working technologies. So not not entirely impartial, I don't think. Okay. I mean, in those first few months, how locked down were you personally? Were you still able to get out and about and do viewings? No. Well, I think the first few months, I mean, March and April, I did come into the office. We have a relatively small team here. So, you know, essentially I could come into the office. You know, I I wasn't mixing with anybody. Um, As I said, we're in Hammersmith. I could come into the office, you know, look at mail, pick up things, make sure everything was okay, servers working properly, et cetera. Um, So, yeah, I I was coming in two or three times a week in the full lockdown. We managed to do, um, we did manage to do a few deals um, during that time. There are are a few deals that hung over that didn't uh, fall out of bed. So, yeah, I was trying to come in two or three days a week. Sure. OK. Um, when did uh, things start to pick up? Um, I mean, was there a specific deal you did that made you think, you know, right, we're back in business? Yeah, I don't think there was a specific deal, but, you know, the market started to pick up again 
September, October 20. And then we were thrown back in mm. to the lockdown. Um, and we sort of came back into the office, what, January, February. So I would say it wasn't a specific deal. I mean, I have a couple of deals we did, uh, one in Hammersmith at a building called The Triangle. At the same time, we did a couple of deals at a building in Fulham called Brigade House. And they were companies that had previously pulled out of deals that said, right, we no longer want to work from home. We've got to see a future. This is not working for us. We want to come back in. And those deals transacted, as did a number of other deals. And that was probably March, April to 2021. So that was the time when I thought, you know what, it's going to get back to normal pretty quickly. And it did, you know, the rest of the year up until now, I have to say, we've had a, we, we've had a really good couple of quarters um, and there's an appetite for people to get back into the office, an appetite for directors to get their staff back into the office. Um, and it's been good. Yeah. Good stuff. OK. Um, now, we all um, saw the footage of workers in the city core, especially kind of just flocking back in their droves. Was the picture in West London as dramatic as that or was it more of a kind of gradual return? Yeah, I think it was more of a gradual return. I think where you've got a defined core like you have in, in the city, mm. it's easier to see, you know, numbers drifting back in. Um, you know, it was it, the city was absolutely dead and then suddenly people came back in and that was quite quick. And, and again, I think that was sort of April time, April, May time. Here it's been a, because a lot of, a lot of companies, as I said, they're small to medium-sized companies who, who, um, who are, whose directors live locally. So I, we, we saw the continuation of, of, of the use of office space. So it wasn't a it wasn't a dramatic um, and obvious, you know, thing that happened. We, we saw it as a gradual return out here, I'd say. Sure. OK. Um, now, there's been a lot of talk about a new normal. Um, um, but do you think we'll eventually go back to using offices as we did pre-pandemic? Or do you think patterns like flexible working are here to stay? I think we saw I think they're here to stay which is not a bad thing and I think it's mm. you know I, did, I think the days of people standing on railway stations at six o'clock in the morning on a Monday um, and into the office five days a week I think they're gone I think they were we were moving away from that anyway um, so yeah I think people will have a couple of days at home whether that's some uh, you know Monday or Friday or, or, or midweek and I think they'll rotate I think people can work at home successfully people don't like want to don't want to be on zoom and, and teams every day of the week and they want to interact but i think yeah there's going to be some hybrid model and we are seeing that and we've seen that for some time okay um has there been a change in what offices need to offer um if they're going to be successful in the new era yeah massively and i think um co-working the serviced office model has changed completely you know, if you look at the new the new offerings of the co-working uh, spaces, they're almost like hotels. So we've we've absolutely seen a move away from uh, part, you know massive banks of desks to a more open system. Um, and I think com- you know companies, if they want to attract the right people uh, and they want to have the people working in a great environment they've got to be be mindful of the type of uh, of space that you know they're they're occupying um and there's some really cool spaces out there and really really interesting um uh, fit outs i've seen so yeah they have to be mindful of what they're offering and that's much more flexible open plan 
you know, um, breakout spaces, meeting spaces, gyms, all that sort of stuff. Sure. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and similarly, I mean, do lease terms have to be different nowadays? I mean, is there more flexibility being built in or more generous incentives? Again, I think it's it's been getting more flexible for the last 20 years. I mean, in 2001, landlords wanted 20-year leases, 15-year leases. Then it went down to 10 with a five. Then it went down to five years. And then it's five with a three, and then straight three. So I think there's been flexibility throughout. I think the co-working model has added to that. And I think landlords are more flexible will be more flexible especially now with we talked about what companies need what we've seen is that companies need office space they just need less of it um, and as decision making improves and people decide they want to come back to the office they need to decide how many how much square feet they have you know if they've got 50 staff for example they don't need 5,000 square feet anymore they can do with 2,000 square feet but it's going forward do they need that? Are they going to grow? So with that in mind, they need flexible leasing because that might change. You know, how they how they use the office might change, you know, in a year's time, two years time. And they need that flexibility in their lease to 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 provide that. So, yeah, <laughs> in a short, <laughs> people need to be more flexible and landlords are more flexible. Yeah, sure. OK, uh, now um, West London also, it doesn't kind of have that same sense of hustle bustle and overcrowding that you get in you know soho or the city or whatever um do you think that might act as a selling point as people are sort of increasingly wary of mixing in huge groups of people possibly um but at the same time i think people do like to get out and and be in a, a an atmosphere that you just described um i'll go back to what i said earlier a lot of companies live or work out here because they live locally but the communications out here are brilliant you know Hammersmith's have got fantastic communications some great amenity open spaces great bars restaurants um but i think it's it, the key is people people work out here because they want to be close to home have a more of a, a flexible way of working living their life and you know some there's some nice spaces nice places to be out here fulham hammersmith chiswick kensington why would you not want to work and live here <laughs> Well, indeed. Um, have you done many deals with occupiers who've grown because of the pandemic rather than, you know, in spite of it? Um, you know, for example, companies that offer technology that we're now all using because we're all locked home and streaming or whatever. Yeah, that's interesting as well. I mean, I would say that it is the larger companies who are mindful of, as we were, what we, what we discussed earlier about how offices should, how offices should look. Um, and what their staff need and what they need to attract staff back. So I would say, you know, I'm in a situation at the moment where I'm a client of mine is taking more space because of that very reason. But it's only the larger companies who, who I say can afford it and have that mindset that are taking more space. I think, you know, smaller companies with a with a you know absolute in Ireland budgets probably wouldn't do that and would make make do. But yeah, larger corporates definitely doing that. Okay. Um, would you say the past year or two years now um, have had any positive impacts on the way you, know, that you work that you think will stay with us? I mean, I'm thinking, you know, the fact that now everyone's on Teams, it's kind of made geography less important. Um, so you can potentially, you know, perhaps talk to potential overseas clients in a way that you couldn't. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, the advantage with Teams and, and, uh, and Zoom is that you can have these conversations without, you know, I don't have to go into the West End for a meeting necessarily. 
people can, you know, someone can be in Scotland, I can be in London, someone can be in, I don't know, any, any part of the world and we can have the same conversation. Um, so that's an advantage. Uh, I think everyone's, yeah, I, th I like, the, I think the flexibility of, of, of life in general will have a much more positive effect. As I said, I don't think we're going to see people queuing up at a railway station on a wet Monday morning at six o'clock. It's just going to be a lot more flexible. Um, and the urgency to a certain extent will have gone. Sure. Okay. Uh, now you mentioned this earlier. Um, uh, you, the Frost Meadow Cross offices—they're based in what used to be the offices of Island Records. Um, yes. um, it must be quite cool, kind of having meetings in a space where Bob Marley would probably have recorded at some point. Yeah, actually, and the history of the building is that it, this St Peter's Square—many people probably wouldn't know—it's in Hammersmith. It's a Georgian square, um, and our building is is a house, and at the back is a. Um, what used to, the mayor of Chiswick used to live in this building and he granted himself planning permission many years ago to build a laundry in the back which is what the big space is because all the laundries apparently were in the east london and that was dirty air and there was a lot cleaner air in west london so they he built a laundry out here a lot cleaner um i can't, I can't remember your question then yes <laughs> and then island records i think it's chris blackwell had this building mm. in the 70s and 80s then they were bought by universal music um universal for whatever reason wanted to move um put their brands into one building so we acquired the space um yeah or the building in 2005 for our clients firm of architects um and we've occupied various parts of the building since but yeah if you look out of the window you can see the chimney at the back which is where bob marley had a studio underneath the room we're in used to be the a and r room and um i think you two were signed in the room that we sit in Myself. yeah and so it's quite interesting history lots of people come knock on the door and say is this is this island records is this <laughs> yeah so it's very interesting and there was a documentary done on chris blackwell recently and um they used footage of the building oh okay um yeah also on a musical note um west london is kind of the traditional home to the major record label groups but as you mentioned yeah. earlier Universal has moved out to King's Cross and I think Sony was looking to do the same yeah. um is that a kind of a blow or do you see that as an opportunity to maybe slightly reinvent the area yeah I don't think it's a blow I mean if you look at what's happening with Olympia I mean Olympia is going to be phenomenal uh you know that's going to be there's going to be a new theatre in there there's going to be all sorts of things going on I think there are you know West London is still a, a creative a, you know, a place to be. I mean, if you look at White City, for example, and, and ITV are there. Um, but ultimately, as we said before, it's it's a it's a beautiful part of the world. There's lots to do. There's lots of amenity. Um, there's lots of great bars and restaurants in West London. So I think that will be an attraction. So I don't think people I don't think people necessarily followed specific companies. As I said, I think company directors want to be here and will be here because it's a great place to be. So, no, I don't think it's going to be um, a detriment to to the area just because they've gone to a different location. Sure. No one okay. else can come in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, OK. Um, yeah, you mentioned um, bars and restaurants there. I was just going to ask, to what extent has the social side of the industry returned? I mean, are people playing as well as working now? Yeah, up until now, I think so. I mean, I've, I go, I like to go into the way I have meetings in the West End. You know, Thursday's usually a good day. There's always, there's always stuff going on Thursdays and Fridays. Um, 
yeah, there's always deal celebrations or chances to meet people. It's a very inclusive business, the agency world. Everyone's friends, um, you know, with each other. We're doing lots of deals um, and mixing and, you know, celebrating deals is is part of what we do. And, uh, and it goes on and it's been going on. We'll have to see what happens over the next couple of months. Mm, indeed. Okay. Um, yeah, leads me on nicely to my next question. Um, what are your main hopes for 2022? My main hopes for 2022, um, as they were for 2021, is that we come out of this um, lockdown, for want of another word, situation, and that we are just are allowed. Because once we're allowed to do, you know, what we're allowed to do, you know, the market picks up. Um, We'll have to see if this is a, a small bump or, or, or at least to something more serious. But I just hope we get back to normal as quick as possible and we can start doing, we'll continue to do, you know, the deals that we've been doing throughout 2021. Because, it, you know, as I said at the start, we it was a slow start to 2021, but, um, you know, it picked up very quickly. And I would I would hope the same for 2022. Sure. OK. Um, if you had a magic wand, uh, what's, what would you do with it to improve the fortunes of the kind of office sector in your patch? If I had a magic wand. Yeah, you could do anything. I <laughs> can't really say what I'd do. <laughs> uh, I think our political, I think our political, I'm, I'm, a, I'm as disillusioned with our political system right now, I think, as I've ever been. Um, so if I had a magic wand, it would be something to do with the political system we have, um, because that at the moment is just stopping. As I said, I feel so sorry for the hospitality sector. You know, what's go what's happening now is, you know, they're all being told to stop again. Um, you know, travel companies, you know, the ski season is upon us. And, you know, the question is, are we going to be able to, to do that in, in, in the early new year? And, and they've lost out hugely. Um, over the past couple of years, so if I had a magic wand, it would it wouldn't be to do with the offices. It would be it would be to do with the political system and making sure that we can do what we want to do within reason, and as long as it keeps everybody healthy. I don't want to say anything other than that, but because the freer we are, the more people can live the life they want to, and that will help the office market. Okay. Um, now, just finally, then, um, this year you guys signed up to Radius as a data partner, so you get to see how you're performing against the rest of the market. Um, how useful are you finding that, and how do you incorporate all that into your workflow? I think social media and everything. There's so many avenues to to put your. It's all about PR, I guess, and you have to. I'm not. We are not one for sort of massive celebration of who we are, what we do, I suppose. But we we it's part of what. You have to do that. You have to have PR. Um, and it does give us an opportunity to say, you know, without without doing it all the time, that we are consistent in our performance and, you know, numbers don't lie. So to be part of this is, yeah, it's hugely important for us. And just to um, once in a while say, look, we're still here. These are the deals we're doing. Even in a bad market, we are transacting well and we'll continue to. So it's good to be part of Perfect. OK, well, on that happy note, I think we'll bring things to a close. Uh, Sean, thank you ever so much for your time. Pleasure. Speak soon.